0: What's everyone doing today? We good? Bellies are full. Good old fried chicken. That's They're going to serve that in heaven as well, you know. Well, so glad to be with you guys here uh, tonight as we look at the book of James. I love the book of James uh, just because of just how practical it is, how just the evidence to know if we truly are a believer. Uh, and so tonight we're going to be in James chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 12. And the title for the message, if you like titles on the messages, is Faith That Speaks. And we're going to talk about the tongue and the words that come out of our mouth. I was looking up uh, online, because you can trust everything online these days. And it says that an average, a person uses about 7,000 to 10,000 words a day. Now they say, usually women men do like 5,000 words a day and then the women do almost 15,000. That's what they said. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, uh, but in my house is the opposite. I do most of the talking. My wife is kind of is the quiet one as well. So it depends on where you're at. But but yes, they say about average, about 7,000 words a day. And my question for you this morning is this, could you keep account of the things that you said today? Of all the things that you said from the time you woke up till you got here, can you give account of all the things that you said? Were they good? whether they bad? Were they encouraging? whether they not? And so tonight we're going to look at that. We're going to look at the words in our mouth, how they could be damaging, but as well encouraging for the believer. And so here in James chapter three, verses one through 12, we're going to look and you can read along with me here. It says this, Now many of you shall become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with great with great strictness, for all, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is perfect, he's a perfect man, able also to brail his own body. If we but but well, sorry if we put bites into the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the shifts also. staining the whole body, setting the fire in the entire course of life, set the fire by hell. For every kind of beast, bird, of of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water." So some heavy words there that James is talking about the tongue. But before we dive into it and kind of see what James is talking about here, I want to give us a history of where our words came from, the history of words. And first I want to look at is God's words. I want to look at the history of God and how He used words. You see, God used words to create. God used words to create. We see in Genesis chapter one, verse three, it says, "And God said." Let there be light. And there was. We see Hebrews chapter one, verse three. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power, making perfection of sins. He sat down the right hand, of majesty on high. Hebrews eleven three. three. By faith, we understand that the, the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So we see there in these three passages, and I know there's more as well, but it talks about how God uses his word to create. We see that in the book of Genesis, that he created the world, right? And he said that it was good. But we also see in Hebrews that he holds the universe by the power of his word. He holds our lives by the power of his word. You see, God used the words to create. But not only that, God uses words to show, to reveal himself who he is to us. God uses words to show us who he is. One of the examples is many, but one is Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It reads, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And there we see kind of the example of the Trinity. That we see how God reveals that he is three in one through that that, that verse there. And many other passages as well. That we see that God uses words to reveal himself to us of who he truly is. But goes on in the verse, it says, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over everything creeping thing that creeps on earth. You see, not only does God use words to reveal himself, but also he uses words to give our purpose of our lives. That here, we see in Genesis, he gives the purpose of Adam and he said, this is your purpose here on earth, your job. And so God uses words to create, God uses words to reveal himself to us who he really is, but also gives us purpose in our lives. You see, words are important to God. So we looked at God's words, but also we're gonna look at Satan's words. You see, Satan uses words to deceive and to destroy. We just talked about God uses words to create, right? To create and to reveal the goodness of who he is and to bring purpose in our lives. But what Satan does is destroys. He uses words to deceive us and to destroy us. Genesis 3.1. It says, now the serpent was crafty than any other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say that? You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. Go on Genesis chapter three, verses four and five says, but the serpent said to the woman, you will surely die. You will surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God knowing good and evil. And so we see here, that Satan uses words to deceive us, to to destroy us. We see that in Genesis 3, 1, kind of the sermon said, did he really say that? Come on, he didn't say that. This is what he meant to say. Here's the reason why. It kind of deceives us and makes us fall into sin. You see, words are not only important to God, but also to Satan because Satan uses it to deceive us, And to bring destruction in our lives. So, with knowing the history of words, how God uses words, how Satan uses words, here James kind of talks about us, how we use words and how we shouldn't use words. You see, James chapter 1, verses, uh, James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, he kind of gives a description of being careful with our words. He starts out in verse 1. He says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with great strictness. I'll be honest, when I read that, I was like, I don't think I should preach tonight. (laughs) I don't want to be judged. So talk like that, every word. Now we know here that James is talking to the church, the church, the leaders of the church that he's writing to here in Jerusalem. And he's writing to them because there were a lot of teachers who shouldn't be teaching, if you know what I'm saying. There were teachers in these churches that wanted to be teachers because they loved the title and they were teaching for the wrong reason. They weren't teaching to teach God's people how great he was. They were teaching so they get more followers and be famous themselves. You see, it says that in Jewish culture, the rabbi is held with high authority, with so much respect and honor that whatever they say it goes. You see, I, growing up in a Hispanic church, that's how it was, that's how it is. That the pastor, man, they, don't, they come to your house, you, you roll out the red carpet. I remember we went to Scranton, Pennsylvania on the mission trip this summer with about 20 of our people here in Maranatha. And uh, we went to a Spanish church, helping the Spanish church there in Scranton. And we did door-to-door evangelism. We were doing an outreach event the, night, uh, the, day, the day, like a Saturday. So Friday night we went and went door-to-door trying to get some Hispanic people to come to this family outreach that we're doing. And so the pastor and some of our people went with him door to door. And it was, it was funny to hear our people, uh, just what they experienced. They went with the pastor, Pastor Pablo, and they knocked on the door and found out the couple that they were talking to was from Paraguay and Pastor Pablo was from Argentina. So there was a connection there of South American connection. And so they say, hey, you're a pastor? Come into our house, bring everybody in. And it was funny to say that a lot of our people were saying that they would bring the best like food, water, all the nice things to the pastor, and they'll give the leftovers to everybody else. They're like, pastor, you need this? Okay, okay. And then, and then like Pastor Brian, our pastor, asked for some. Okay, yeah, you can get over there, but they will go get it for the pastor. <laughs> Their full focus was on Pastor Pablo because they knew he was a pastor. And so they hold him in high regard. You see, this was what happening in the church, that The tradition of keeping the rabbi in high esteem and honor kind of fell into the early church as well. And that's why people wanted to teach. And James was saying, hey, some of you guys might need to sit down a little bit. (laughs) Why? Because you're teaching for the wrong reason. And brothers, I pray that you, I encourage you guys to be praying for those that teach here, here in our church. Pray for those in ABF. Pray for those in uh, Sunday mornings as well. Pastor Bruce and Pastor Butch here and these men, the men studies as well. All our teachers that we have, I encourage you guys to be praying for them. Praying that they will be teaching for the right reasons to help people know who God really is so that they themselves can make disciples. You see, some of you probably say this "Like, say, I'm good. I don't teach. I don't teach ABF. I don't teach Sunday morning. I don't, I'm good. I can, I'm going to eat some more chicken. I'm good. But in reality, we see this in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. This is Jesus' last command. This is Jesus' last command to his disciples as he is ascending to heaven. And he gives the last command. He says a familiar command. He says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I'm with you always to the end of age. Growing up in the Southern Baptist Church, in this little country church in uh, East Texas, every time my pastor would preach this great commission, he would skip verse 20. He would just focus on verse 18 and 19 and say, hey, go, go share the gospel, go make them disciples. But he would forget The other part of the great commission was to as you make new disciples, your other job as well is to help them grow to know who God is. So you may not be teaching on a Sunday morning or you may not be teaching in the pulpit on Sunday morning or even ABF or even here. But if you're a follower of Christ, if you are a disciple of Christ, you should be teaching other people what you're learning from God. My question for you is, All the studies that you've learned. And some of us are probably in 20 different studies that we go through throughout the week. My question for you is, what do you do with all those studies? Is it just one study to another? Or do you really spend time and and say, okay, God, how do I live this out? But also, how can I teach this to someone else? And yes, this verse here, verse 1, James is talking to the leaders of the church but also he's talking for us as followers that as we are sharing about Jesus, about the goodness of God, it better be biblical. It better be sound doctrine. And that is why we go to Bible studies. That is why we go to Sunday morning. That is why we come to these men's studies. So we can know sound doctrine, know the truth of God's word. So when we share it, it's truth. It's truth because we're teaching for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons. We see here in Matthew 12, 36 and 37, Jesus says this, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. That's a little scary. For by by your words, you'll be justified. And by your words, you'll be condemned. And Jesus was talking here and say, hey, if you're talking about me, make sure it's truth. Make sure it's sound doctrine. it says here, Jesus says, in day of judgment, people be counted for every careless word we say. Now remember, we say about 7,000 words a day. Some of you guys probably say, I don't even say 700. That's okay. We all use words throughout our day. But when it comes to teaching about who God is, we got to make sure it's sound doctrine, it's truth of who God is. And we're teaching for the right reasons, not for our own ambition. And so we see here, there is a great responsibility in teaching God's word. That's what James is saying here in verse one. There's a great responsibility in teaching God's word. And in verse two, he goes on and says this, there, there is a danger of sin from what we say. That there's danger. Verse two says, for we all stumble in many ways. And for anyone who does not stumble in what they say, he is perfect, he's a perfect man. Abel also to his whole body. He's like, listen, we all stumble. And I love that James says we. <laughs> James includes himself in there and says, we all stumble. He said, but if you don't stumble, man, you're a perfect man. That means you can control what you say. But the reality is sometimes we're human. We're not perfect. And sometimes words come out. And I, I know this from, from experience. There are words that come out of my mouth. that like, man, I shouldn't say that. Why did I say that? And there goes that word, 6,599. Boom, I wasted it. What we see here that we gotta understand is that there's a danger of sin from what we say. That our words can hurt somebody, can damage somebody, but also keep someone from knowing who God really is. I've always heard from people who don't go to church anymore. They say, I don't wanna go to church because people said this about me. People went to church or they got the wrong idea about me and they said this. And it may be true, it may not be, but a lot of times words Hinder people from knowing who God is. And so we gotta be careful with the words we say. Paul talks about this in Romans 3, 13 to 14. He says that our throat is an open grave. You, they use their tongues to deceive. It's like venom under their lips. Their mouth is full of curse and bitterness. Paul's talking here about our sinful words, our mouth. And that's why we've gotta be careful with the words that coming out of our mouth to understand the danger of the sin that it can come from and the damaging that it can be. But we've got to, and we're going to talk about this, that only through God can control what we say and allow him to speak through us in that. So we see that the, there's danger of sin from what we say. In verses three and six, James kind of talks about knowing how powerful the tongue is. But isn't it crazy? that this little muscle right here in our, in our mouth is the most dangerous weapon on earth. The most weapon, the, mo- the weapon that can destroy, that can deceive, that can misdirect. Like I see that a lot even with pastors who are not teaching biblical doctrine, who are not sound doctrine, who are teaching false theology and hundreds and thousands of people are following. these I remember when my older brother, he was a missionary in Honduras about 50, about for 15 years, and I remember visiting one summer, and Benny Hinn came uh, to one of the biggest stadiums in in Honduras in Tegucigalpa. And I remember my brother turned on the TV, and like it was just packed. I think the stadium held about 70,000 people, and it was packed. And Benny Hinn was sharing some false doctrine there. And I remember my brother saying, "I can't believe they listen to every word he says." He Say these people are lost. You see, that's why we got to be careful what we say. But also, when we say, we say the truth of who God is. And that we use our words not to bring down people, but to help people know who God is and encourage them on the way. And so, here in verses three and six, we see James. I love what, how he points a picture, paints a picture of the power of our tongue. And he says, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, whatever the will of the pilot dictates. So also the tongue is a small member, yet boasts of great things. How great a force it sets ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting By setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. James paints this picture: how we gotta understand the power of the tongue. That is just like a little fire that starts, a little spark that starts in the forest, that then cuts and then boom, a whole forest is on fire. That that can happen to the power of the tongue if we're not careful with the things that come out of our mouths. It can damage somebody. That's how powerful it is. Verse six. He says, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting the fire in the entire course of life and set the fire by hell. Our tongue, our, our, our tongue is full of unrighteousness. You see, this was what happens when we don't have a growing relationship with the Lord, not spending time with him. That we begin to use our words thinking that we know more instead of using God's words to dictate and to encourage people and those around us. And James is saying, hey, guys, know the power of the tongue. And it's interesting. Like I remember when I went to SeaWorld. Anybody been to SeaWorld? I went to SeaWorld. I remember being little. And it was Shamu was there, this huge well. And this this small person, man, was just dictating the well where to go, doing one of these and the whistle and all that stuff and jumping up and down. I was like, man, this is crazy. But James says, it's so unbelievable, crazy to know that we can handle these big animals. But for some reason, we cannot control our tongue. That's how much power it has. That's how much danger is this weapon that we have. That's why it's so important that we use it correctly for the glory of God. With knowing the power of the tongue, James goes on in verses 7 and 10, and he says that we cannot control our tongue. Verse seven and 10, he says this. He goes on and says, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and and has been tamed by humankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's restless, it's restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and father. And with it, we curse those who are made in his likeness. Verse 10, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing, My brothers, these things ought not to be so. You see, we cannot control our tongue. Yeah, we can control all these animals and and these ships and all this, but James says, we cannot control our tongue because it is evil. But verses nine and 10 are ones that we see a lot happening within the believers. He says, with it, we bless our Lord and father and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. And so we see how many times that we, maybe ourselves, that we come on Sunday and we're praising the Lord, we're, we're singing the songs, but then during the week, man, our words completely say something opposite than we did on Sunday. Sometimes maybe even in social media or when you're a person, maybe those who think differently than you, sometimes you wanna say, oh, I wanna get them good with this comment right here. I wanna get them. I wanna get them. There's plenty of times. Then when I'm talking to people who have the different, whatever, you know, uh, just thought process, whatever like that, I want say, oh, I want to say this because i want to get them good. I want to get them good. But, when I, but what we should be doing, should be praying and say, God, what should I say? When I, when I talk to someone who may be thinking different than me, maybe not a believer, and, and we have this conversation, I'm just praying, God, what should I say? Give me the words. Give me the words. But James saying here, say, to the church, some of you bless the Lord with that same mouth then turn around and yet you curse your own brother. That was made in the likeness of God. You see, Jesus said this to his disciples, the way the world knows that we are his followers by how we love one another. And it's interesting that he didn't say about how much theology we know, how much time we go to church or if we know who the antichrist is or anything like that. No, he just says, the way the world knows that you belong to me is how you love your brothers and sisters in the Lord. And that goes with our words as well. I remember growing up, man, in the Southern Baptist Church, man, when there was a lot of tradition and, and all this. And I remember when we would have the outreach events, and there were some people who didn't quite look like the people in our church. And, man, I could just hear the comments that people would make. Like, I can't believe they wore that to them. Or, I can't believe he put that on. Or like, it was like, guys, come on. Like, why are we saying this? We should be encouraging. They're not, some of them I might mean, be believers. And so I remember being in college at this church that I grew up with and my heart was just broken because some of them were Sunday school teachers that were damaging, talking bad about these unbelievers that we we're trying to reach to. And it broke my heart to kind of say, what? like, what's going on? And James is saying that, he's saying, some of you are praising the Lord, saying his great things about him, but yet you are discouraging the brother and sister in Christ who was made in the image of the likeness of God. So this is what we got to understand. We cannot control our tongue, but this is the beauty of the gospel, right? We see Paul saying that, man, our, our tongue is evil. It's full, even James saying it's full of evil, it's unrighteousness. But the only thing that can change our words is the Lord. That we place our faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior, and understand that he died on the cross for our sins, and rose again on the third day. And the only way that we can be forgiven of our sins that separate us from having a relationship with God is by trusting him alone. And it says, Paul says this, that when you trust in Jesus, the old is dead and the new has come. So that means also our words. You see, you can tell a lot by somebody who is growing the Lord by the things that they say or how they react to things. You see I I love to look for men, uh mature men in the faith that man, are living out what they say. I remember there, there's men that I've been in contact with who are like the smartest guys you know like on theology and Bible all this and I remember like some of them would come teach at the school I was at but yet the way they acted was completely different from what they said. They're kind of what Paul what, what James was saying here that they were praising the Lord but yet how they were living their lives day to day was completely different. And it was so discouraging. But you see, if we've been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only does our, our, our life change, but also the words that come out of our, our mouths. And that's why it's so important that we spend time in God's word. That's what James said in chapter one, right? To be doers of the words, not just readers or hearers only. That as we read God's word, it should be changing the way we think, that will then result to the things that we say. Again, because all by the power of God, because we cannot control our tongue, right? James has said that we can control all these big animals, but we cannot control our evil, unrighteous, filth tongue. But only through relationship with Jesus Christ can God control our tongue to give us the words to say that will bring him honor, encourage those around us as well. So lastly here, we see in verses 11, 12, we say this. He goes on and says, does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapefruit produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Kind of gives a painting there as well as say, listen, a great, all, all these things can't happen, right? It doesn't produce this. And so we got to understand this, that the words we use reflect our heart. The words we use reflect our heart. Again, this is something I've heard so many times that when you spend time in God's word, your life should be different. That the more you spend time with the Lord, the more you spend in his word, the way you think, the way you live your lives, even your words should be different. Like I said earlier, you can tell a lot. Of, you can tell a lot by a person how their relationship with the Lord is by the things that they say. I remember one time, uh, in our neighborhood. There was I was outside with our kids, and one of my neighbors came. I was trying to trying to meet some of our neighbors, and this young guy came, and uh, you know, introduced himself to to myself, and we started talking. He was using language that was like not Greek or Hebrew. You know what I mean? Like it was like some some tough language as he was sharing with me. And then, I, then all of a sudden he stops and says, hey, what do you do for a living? I was like, this is going to be great. I love this part. And I was like, oh, I'm a pastor. He's like, oh, like you can see in his face, like, what did I just do? Like, I use every bad word in the book to this guy who was a pastor. And I was like, dude, I was like, calm down, calm down. Like, uh, it's okay. Like we, and we started talking, but he was just sweating. He's like, I'm so sorry, man. Like, I didn't know you were a pastor. I was like, okay. But here's the thing. I knew that he wasn't trusting in the Lord, that's the way the things he was saying and the the things that he was doing as well. But I I know there's some people, man, you can just tell that their relationship with the Lord is real by the things that they say. Not that they're like holy or everything they say is like Jesus, Jesus, no, but just the words that they use are so encouraging that you wanna be around them. You guys know those people? That you just wanna be around them because you know the words they're gonna give you, it's gonna encourage you. Even if they make fun of you, it's gonna be encouraging, all right? It's gonna be great. And so James is saying that's the kind of believers that we should be, that, man, that, that people want to be around us because we're giving words of affirmation, words of encouragement. But also words that would change your eternal life forever for those who don't have a relation with Jesus. You see, the words we use reflect our heart. You can also say the words we use reflect our relationship with the Lord. That are we growing because of the time we spend with him in his Word. And so we see here, James gives some some kind of harsh words, harsh reminders, but also this should remind us that we gotta use words that encourage our brothers and sisters in the Lord, that we should use, that we should speak the word of truth in love to others, but also that we should use our 7,000 words a day that we can to bring God honor and glory, but also to have opportunities to share the gospel in your neighborhoods, in the nations, or wherever you go, to know that's how God wants us to use our words. But here's the thing. A couple of things to think about as we, as we say, okay, how do I let God control my words? Because sometimes I want to say some things to some people <laughs> that they need to hear. I promise it will change your lives. But I say, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's encouraging. First thing is this, is you pray. Every morning I, before I, you know, come, when I come to the office and anything like that, I just say, God, give me the words to say that bring you honor. Whether I be joking or just talking to somebody, help me to use the words that bring you honor. But also be mindful about how powerful your words can be. So we pray. First step is to pray. letting God take control of your mouth, of your words. And secondly, is being reminded of how powerful your 7,000 words a day can be. Now they're always gonna be perfect? No, right? We're not perfect. James has said that we are not perfect. We stumble. But we each day should try to use our words to bring honor and glory to the Lord. And see, this is a reminder of the church as well. That we should use our words in truth and in love, but also to encourage those around them believers. And so my question for you is that what do people say about your words? What do people say about you at your jobs? What do people say about you at your home with your family? What are what are uh, believers? What do they say about you in your words that you use? And I'll be honest, as a parent, sometimes, man, my, I just want to like when we have three little humans at home, man, with those kids. Sometimes I just want to have to I tame my tongue. Say, Lord, give me patience. You gave me these kids for a reason. You gave me these kids for a reason. But there's moments where the temptation of losing our tongue comes, but this is why we must pray, being God's word and asking the Lord, please control my tongue and use it for your glory. Just a, a pastor said this, sinful words naturally come from a sinful heart. Sinful words naturally come from a sinful heart. And so if you're here tonight, and you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ. And you probably say, man, my words are wild right now. My words are just whatever comes on my mind. I say, I don't, I don't care if I hurt people or whatever. And probably saying, you know what? man? I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I need Jesus to control my tongue, my words. And so we want to encourage you. Don't leave this place without talking to Pastor Bruce or myself or other men to hear that. Man, we will want to encourage you and show you how you can have a relation with Jesus Christ. So you can be forgiven of your sins, but also be a new person in him. And he alone can control and change the words that you have. But if you're a believer here, I encourage you to take the words of James and be mindful how powerful our words can be. All 7,000 words that we say a day, how powerful they can be. And that we will pray daily that God will use our words for his glory. Just a couple couple questions to consider. And I want you guys to talk about this amongst yourself and in your group. The first question is this, what's wrong with the idea that our actions and not our words are what really matter? What's wrong with the idea that our actions and not our words are what really matter? Second question is this, how should knowing God's word affect the view of our own words? If we spend time in God's word and and gain this knowledge of who he is and our relationship with him and and we grow in our relationship with him, how should that change the view of our words that come out of our mouth? And lastly is this, what practical ways can you be more careful with your words? What practical ways can you be more careful with your words? So I'll give you guys a few minutes and just talk among yourselves with, with that for a few minutes. I just want to, as I was thinking all here, what James was saying about how important our words are—all seven thousand of it that we use a day. I thought about James chapter one verse nineteen, where James also says, "Know this, my beloved brothers: Let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger." Which is another good principle to take that. Ask the Lord, say, Lord, just don't let me always have to say something, but tell me when I need to say. And when I say it, it might bring you honor and glory with that. So men, be careful with your words, use them wisely, and use them to glorify the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that you use our faith to speak, to speak your truth. As we saw, Lord, that you use words to create, to just to, to show who you are, to show our purpose in life, but also Satan uses it, uses our words to deceive us, to destroy. But God, I pray that you would help us, that we would depend on you to control our tongue, that we would use the words that we use every day that, that will bring you honor and glory, whether it be hanging out with friends or family or, or co workers, whatever it is, that we're just having fun, that even that, the time of having fun and, and joking around, that we will use our words to bring you honor and glory. But also, Give us opportunities to use words that share the gospel. Give us opportunities to use our words to share to other believers or unbelievers about how great and awesome you are. And God, I pray that we will spend time with you, that we will hunger for your word and not just be readers of your word, but be doers for your glory. And that every word that comes out of our mouth will bring you honor and glory. God, we love you and we praise you. name. we pray, amen.